This is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and today we're going to be reading the May 23rd reading in the One Year Bible Plan, and as always, we will be in the New Living Translation. Jumping in with 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 through chapter 3, verse 39 for our Old Testament reading. One day, Abner led Ishobeth's troops from Mehem to Gibeon. About the same time, Joab, son of Zechariah, led David's troops out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. The two groups sat down there facing each other from opposite sides of the pool. Then Abner suggested to Joab, let's have a few of our warriors fight hand to hand here in front of us. All right, Joab agreed. So 12 men were chosen to fight from each side, 12 men of Benjamin, representing Ishobeth of Saul, 12 representing David. Each one grabbed his opponent by the hair and thrust his sword into the other side so that all of them died. (laughs) How would you like to to be one of those 12 men that were chosen? Okay, let's, let's have a fight to see whose men are better. And these 12 men get chosen at random, and then they have this sword fight, and they all die. Like, just all of them. Continuing on, verse 16. So this place at Gibeon has been known ever since as the field of swords. Verse 17. A fierce battle followed that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were defeated by the forces of David. Joab, Abiashai, and Eshiel, three sons of Zeruiah, were among David's forces that day. Eshiel could run like a gazelle, and he began chasing Abner. He pursued him relentlessly, not stopping for anything. When Abner looked back and saw him coming, he called out, Is that you, Eshiel? Yes, it is, he replied. Go fight someone else, Abner warned. Take on one of the younger men. Strip him of his weapons. But Ashiel kept right after chasing Abner. Again, Abner shouted to him, Get away from here. I don't want to kill you. How could I ever face your brother Joab again? But Ashiel refused to turn back. So Abner thrust the butt end of his spear through Ashiel's stomach. And the spear came out through his back. He stumbled to the ground and died there. And everyone who came by that spot stopped and stood still when they saw Ashiel lying there. When Joab and Ashabiah found out what had happened, they sent out after Abner. The sun was just going down as they arrived at the hill of Abner, uh, sorry, at the hill of Amma near Gia, along the road to the wilderness of Gibeon. Abner's troops from the tribe of Benjamin regrouped there at the top of the hill to take a stand. Abner shouted down to Joab, Must we always be killing each other? Don't you realize that bitterness is the only result? Hmm. That kind of speaks directly to our time and age, doesn't it? Thousands years old, and yet, verse 26, yeah, that'll preach. Like, we, uh, we aren't killing each other, literally. Well, we are, actually. Um, but we kill each other uh, figuratively, metaphorically. We fight, we divide, we value being right over our relationships. And I think I would say these words to everyone, including myself. Must we always be killing each other? Don't you realize that bitterness is the only result? Lord, help us to understand the power of that sentence and that question. Help us as the people of God to embrace it and to fully see 
in ourselves the areas in which we are killing, not seeing that it's only going to lead to bitterness, does not lead to life. Continuing on with verse 26. I'm just going to read it one more time, the whole thing. Because, man, it's speaking to my soul. And I hope it's speaking to yours also. Verse 26. Abner shouted down to Joab, Must we always be killing each other? Don't you realize that bitterness is the only result? When will you call off your men from chasing their Israelite brothers? Then Joab said, God only knows what would have happened if you hadn't spoken. For we would have chased you all night if necessary. So Joab blew the ram's horn, and his men stopped chasing the troops of Israel. All that night, Abner and his men retreated through the Jordan Valley. They crossed the Jordan River, traveling all through the morning, and didn't stop until they arrived at Mahem. Meanwhile, Joab and his men also returned home. When Joab counted his casualties, he discovered that only 19 men were missing, in addition to Ashiel. But 360 of Abner's men had been killed, all from the tribe of Benjamin. Joab and his men took Ashiel's body to Bethlehem and buried him there in his father's tomb. Then they traveled all night and reached Hebron at daybreak. Chapter 3, verse 1. That was the beginning of a long war between those who were loyal to Saul and those loyal to David. As time passed, David became stronger and stronger, while Saul's dynasty became weaker and weaker. These are the sons who were born to David in Hebron. The oldest was Amnon, whose mother was Ahimon from Jezreel. The second was Daniel, whose mother was Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel. The third was Absalom, whose mother was Micah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. The fourth was Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith. The fifth was Shephatiah, whose mother was Abitel. The sixth was Erethim, whose mother was Eglah, David's wife. These sons were all born to David in Hebron. As the war between the house of Saul and the house of David went on, Abner became a powerful leader among those loyal to Saul. One day, Ishabeth, Saul's son, accused Abner of sleeping with one of his father's concubines, a woman named Rizpah, daughter of Ai. Abner was furious. Am I some Judean dog to be kicked around like this? He shouted, After all I have done for your father Saul and his family and friends by not handing you over to David, is this my reward, that you find fault with me about this woman? May God strike me and even kill me if I don't do everything I can to help David get what the Lord has promised him. I'm going to take Saul's kingdom and give it to David. I will establish the throne of David over Israel as well as Judah, all the way from Dan in the north of Beersheba in the south. Ishaveth didn't dare say another word because he was afraid of what Abner might do. Then Abner sent messengers to David, saying, Doesn't the entire land belong to you? Make a solemn pact with me, and I will help turn over all of Israel to you. All right, David replied, but I will not negotiate with you unless you bring back my wife, Michael, Saul's daughter, when you come. Which was uh, David's first wife, if you'll remember. Verse 14. David then sent this message to Ishabeth, Saul's son. Give me back my wife, Michael, for I bought her with the lives of 100 Philistines. So Ishabeth took Michael away from her husband, Palti, son of Laish. Palti followed along behind her as far as Biram, weeping as he went. Then Abner told him, go back home. So Potty returned. Man, that's uh, sad. Palti, uh, son of Laish, you know, they, they had been married for over you know, a decade at least and um, clearly loved 
her. And yet King David wants her, and so King David gets her. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's good for us to look at the dark side. We're going to see the dark side of David a lot in Second Samuel. And while overall he was a man after uh, God's own heart, he is not the Savior. He is not Jesus. And this is just one example where David uses people as commodities for his own gain without regard uh, to, to them being made in the image of God. And you don't see here, he says, ask Michael what she wants um, or ask uh, Palti what he wants. It's this is what David wants, so this is what David gets. And as we keep reading, we're going to see that that gets David in a lot of trouble. Power corrupts, my friends. Power corrupts. Whatever influence you have, be sure that it doesn't corrupt you. Be sure that you hand it over to God. Allow him to be the king of your life and him alone because he's the only one worthy. Verse 17. Meanwhile, Abner had consulted with the elders of Israel from for some time now. He told them, you have wanted to make David your king. Now is the time for the Lord has said, I have chosen David to save my people Israel from the hands of the Philistines and from all their other enemies. Abner also spoke with the men of Benjamin then he went to Hebron to tell David that all the people of Israel and Benjamin had agreed to support him. When Abner and 20 of his men came to Hebron, David entertained them with a great feast. Then Abner said to David, Let me go and call an assembly of all Israel to support my lord, the king. They will make a covenant with you to make you their king, and you will rule over everything your heart desires. So David sent Abner safely on his way. But just after David had sent Abner away in safety, Joab and some of David's troops returned from a raid, bringing much plunder with them. When Joab arrived, he was told that Abner had just been there visiting the king and had been sent away in safety. Joab rushed to the king and demanded, What have you done? What do you mean by letting Abner get away? You know perfectly well that he came to spy on you and find out everything you're doing. Joab then left David and sent messengers to catch up with Abner, asking him to return. They found him at the well of Syrah and brought him back, though David knew nothing about it. When Abner arrived back at Hebron, Joab took him aside at the gateway, as if to speak with him privately. But then he stabbed Abner in the stomach and killed him in revenge for killing his brother Ashiel. When David heard about it, he declared, I vow by the Lord that I and my kingdom are forever innocent of this crime against Abner, son of Ner. Joab and his family are the guilty ones. May the family of Joab be cursed in every generation with a man who has open sores or leprosy, or who walks on crutches or dies by the sword or begs for food. So Joab and his brother Abishai killed Abner because Abner had killed their brother Ashiel at the battle of Gibeon. And what echoes? What echoes to me is what Abner said in the last chapter. Must we go on killing one another? Have we not yet seen that it only leads to bitterness? Verse 31. Then David said to Joab and all those who were around with him, Tear your clothes and put on burlap. Mourn for Abner. And King David himself walked behind the procession to the grave. They buried Abner in Hebron, and the king and all the people wept at his graveside. Then the king sang this funeral song for Abner. Should Abner have died as fools die? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not chained. No, you were murdered, the victim of a wicked plot. All the people wept again for Abner. David had refused to eat anything on the day of the funeral, and now everyone begged him to eat. But David made a vow, saying, 
May God strike me and even kill me if I eat anything before sundown. This pleased the people very much. In fact, everything the king did pleased them. So everyone in Judah and all Israel understood that David was not responsible for Abner's murder. Then King David said to his officials, Don't you realize that a great commander has fallen today in Israel? And even though I am the anointed king, these two sons of Zerai, Joab, and Abashai are too strong for me to control. So may the Lord repay these evil men for their evil deeds. Moving on to the New Testament reading as that concludes the Old Testament will be in John chapter 13, 1 through 30. And uh, as we get closer to the end of this gospel, I'm trying to just stay out of the way and uh, read it through because the gospels are so powerful on their own as it shares uh, the really the, the, the point of everything that we do as Christ followers. The gospel message is this, my friends, before we jump in. Jesus Christ came to do what you could not do. He was 100% man, yet 100% God. And he lived the life we could not live. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. We deserve judgment. We are slaves to our sin, which leads to death. Jesus comes and does what we cannot do. He lives the perfect righteous life. Uh, the only life that deserves, that deserves eternal life. And yet he is the one who dies on a cross. Not because he couldn't stop the Romans, but because he wouldn't stop the Romans. And while there are several things Jesus accomplished on the cross, we could talk about 50 things, probably, that Jesus accomplished on the cross. Uh, none more important than appeasing the wrath of God that we so deserve for our sin. Uh, God is a just God. We deserve judgment for our sin. And yet Jesus takes that judgment upon himself, completely pouring out his blood, atoned for. You don't have to ask God for forgiveness over and over and over once you are a Christian. You can simply thank him for forgiveness because Jesus is the ultimate forgiveness. And he exhausted the powers of evil uh, and laid in a grave. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead, victorious, uh, showing new creation, bursting forth. A new kingdom had been here and fully uh, taking command over the powers of evil. Satan's rule over the world had ended. Jesus now sits at the right hand of God on a ruling throne, making his enemies his footstool. And you and I who trust in him are not made different people. We're made brand new people. That's the good news. You can be made brand new. You can find peace, discover purpose, experience salvation, and ultimately live fulfilled because of what Jesus has done. And we get to join him in his restoring work. Uh, and we wait the day in which that restoring work is completed when Jesus himself comes back as a ruling king, defeating ultimately the powers of evil at B and uh, restoring everything back to right. And it all begins and climaxes in Jesus coming as man and living his life. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell of this good news. And my friends, every single day I do this podcast, I encourage and implore you to trust in him. If you've never trusted in him, trust, repent, turn from your wisdom to his wisdom, seeing that he is who he says he is. That means I'm no longer the king of my life. Jesus is the king of my life. I believe that he is who he says he is, and he did what he said he did, and he will do what he says he will do. And if you are a Christian, you've been a Christian for a while now, I implore you to do the same. Continue to trust. Continue to repent. It's a lifetime of seeing sin um, and repenting of that sin, not because you have to, but because you want to, because you know his way leads to life and your way leads to death. Let's jump in. Chapter 13, verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. 
He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash, except for the feet, to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done unto you. I tell you the truth. The slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now, that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I am not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But this fulfills the scripture that says, The one who eats my food has turned against me. I tell you this beforehand, so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes welcoming me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now, Jesus was deeply troubled, and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth. One of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, Who's he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, It is the one to whom I give the bread I dip into the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, Hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. That concludes our New Testament reading. Moving on to the Proverbs of the day. Proverbs 29 and 30 in chapter 15 is what we're going to be reading. Verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Good news makes for good health. And moving on to our psalm of the day, we will be reading Psalm 119, verses 1 through 16 in a posture of prayer. And we are entering into the longest psalm in the entire Bible. So we're going to be in Psalm 119 for a bit, I would imagine. Verses 1 through 16 today. Aleph. Joyful are people of integrity, who follow in the instruction of the Lord. 
Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil. They walk only on his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. Beth. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Father God, thank you that um, you've given us your word, uh, Lord, that you've used your people um, to write a book that is unlike any other book uh, from your people for your people, uh, Lord, that you have revealed yourself to us through these very pages that we read every day. The God of this universe is not mystical. He has not made himself hidden, but he has shown himself to us. Uh, Lord, let us drink deeply from this book. Uh, ultimately so that we can see your son Jesus as the culmination, the climax of this entire book, the thing that it all points to, that it is in him we find gospel, we find good news, we find the pathway to righteousness, even though on our own we can't be righteous, we find the pathway to new creation that we also desperately seek. Lord, I pray that we would see your commands not as have-tos but want-tos because we truly believe you are who you say you are and as we repent from our wisdom to your wisdom, we see that following you is really truly the only way that we experience salvation, find peace, no purpose, and live fulfilled. Thank you for these words, these powerful words. What greater way could we spend our time than reading these words? Thank you for those who take the time to listen to this podcast. May they ponder upon these words and thank you for them as they go throughout their day. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for today's reading I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we will spend another day reading through the Bible together.